Thanks for tuning in to the Realtor Moms podcast. We are Tasha and Jamie, full-time realtors in the FM and surrounding areas and admittedly average moms. This is how we sell homes and try to keep our kids alive. Hi, Realtor Mom podcast listeners. Hello, hello. Hello. Uh, Today, Jamie and I are going to be talking about how to win an offer when you're in a multiple offer situation. Right. When you're competing. Yes. Which has been a pretty popular thing this past summer and even into early fall. Like, multiple offers, they're out there, especially on that shiny penny house, that one that stands out that you really fall in love with. And then you have 10 other people that have fallen in love with it. You can bet sometimes that uh, you come to find out that there are others that are also feeling the same way about yes. the house and don't want to lose it. So we've compiled a little bit of a list of some things that you could consider. Every situation is a little bit different, yes. but um, some of the things that we sometimes recommend for our buying clients when they end up in multiples. So start us off. Tasha, what do you got? Well, first I'm going to talk about earnest money. Okay, <laughs> Jamie, sure. why don't you share with our listeners um, what is earnest money? Earnest money. So it's the basically um, a little bit of a contribution towards your down payment that you're going to make towards the house anyway. And it gets put into a trust account and held until the day of closing. It shows the seller that you are serious, that you're qualified, that you've got a little money in your pocket. And it's the money that you're willing to put on the line and say that, yes, I am very serious about purchasing your house. And here's the money I want to put on hold to prove it to you that I'm qualified. So one thing that I tell people, or one thing that we are asked all the time, what is mm-hmm. the recommendation for earnest money? All the time. Generally, you know, one percent of the purchase price, or one thousand per hundred thousand. Right. Um, so if you're looking at a three hundred thousand dollar house, we would make a recommendation of three thousand dollars for earnest money. Sure. One way to help or one way to show your interest or to help win in a multiple offer scenario is mm-hmm. to increase the amount of earnest money. Right. So if you're looking at that $300,000 house, you know, if a recommendation would be $3,000, one thing you can do is increase it to five, six, whatever your comfort level looks like, but increase yep. the standard, you know, increase yeah. above the standard that you would give. Right. Just think about it this way. If you had two offers and they were otherwise identical, but one person's coming in with $10,000 or money and the other one's coming in with two you're probably i mean you may as a seller feel compelled to lean towards the folks who have ten thousand dollars in earnest money because they feel like they're you know they're willing to contribute a little more they're a little more serious so yeah that's a great suggestion so um i want to go with a a butt in here for a second and talk about the first item on my list is it's even before you write the offer it's be the first one to write the offer (laughs) that's a good option Uh, that's right there serious i feel like especially when i'm working with sellers um, you know, and, and Tasha, tell me how you do this too, but a lot of times I will reference the offer. Sometimes I reference it by last name, like of the buyer or buyers, like here's the, you know, the Barrett offer. But a lot of times what ends up happening is they're like, well, who was the first offer? And we sort of default to the order in which the offers came in. And there's just something about being the first, right? Something about the first offer that comes in, like they almost seem the most interested or the most motivated. So I feel like buyers or sellers sometimes for maybe no reason other than like a a mind you know just something you think about um being the first offer on the table i think kind of puts you in a little bit of an advantageous position not that you shouldn't offer if you're second on the table but it kind of looks good yep it can i think yeah i i do agree and i tell people you know if if this is if this is the house you really love, yeah, be the this first is one. be the first one because it's sometimes then your uh, the selling agents or sorry the seller's agent will then be you know once they receive an offer they'll be calling the other agents who have shown the home 
in a lot of cases and saying, hey, do you also write an offer? We've, we've received one. Well, so then the second or the third or the fourth offer, they, that may be a reaction to the buyer's agent receiving the information that, oh, hey, the house you want might be slipping away from you. So then these buyers are reacting to that situation where that first one, you know, they were motivated to be the first one on the table. Yep. I don't know. That's just something I think about. <laughs> but I'm weird. <laughs> no, so no. So what you got next? Well, the one thing I do very regularly, mm-hmm. if, if my clients um, have some flexibility on when they can close, oh, is yeah. I will reach out to the listing agent and ask what you know, ask them what the seller's situation looks like. Are they looking for a quick close date? Are sure. they needing a little bit of time? Because if my clients have some flexibility, mm-hmm. we can really win out over maybe someone else that's putting in an offer just by kind of lining up right. the their closed my buyer's close date with the sell what the sellers would like to do for their close date. Totally. I had that one on my list too. Essentially, I just wrote down, say that you're flexible or maybe more importantly, ask your buyer's agent, right? Like ask Tasha, ask Jamie, or we will do it anyway. Um, We'll call the listing agent and say, hey, we're about to write you an offer. Whether it's the first offer, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, be the first one on the table. (laughs) But we'll see in a perfect world, what would your seller like to see in an offer? for close date, for some of the other details. You know, inclusions, I, I peeked at your list, Tasha. Yeah. <laughs> but it's on mine too. Like, don't ask for the pool table. If the pool table is not exactly. going to be there. If you're competing, it could come all the way down to that pool table. You don't know. Maybe that pool table was great-grandfather's and it's been handed down a million times and they not only do not want to part with it, but they don't even want to be asked about well, it because they didn't include it in the purchase yeah. agreement. Example, washer and dryer. Half sure. the time they yeah. stay, half the time they go. And if someone yep. is planning on taking that with them, don't ask for something right. that's not included with the sale. If you're so, in multiples, do not do ask not. for personal property that's not expressly included in the sale. Correct. Exactly. And going back to what Tasha had said too, closing date, if you can be flexible, if you can ask what they prefer. Um, and I'll take that a step further too. Sometimes, and this is this is definitely not the 90 percentile, there's like the 10% of the time or less. <laughs> Sometimes you get into a, maybe it's a possession date situation where maybe the sellers are building a house and think about this now this kind of takes it into a different category and rely heavily on your realtor with this but um say the sellers are building a house and their house isn't going to be ready for three months but you really want the house maybe you write an offer that has such and such for a closing date but you let them stay Maybe it becomes a possession thing where they remain in possession of the home until they're ready to move into their next place. Eh, it doesn't always work for everybody, but I'm just saying there are a lot of different things that we can work with in order to make your offer um, a little bit more advantageous to Correct. the seller. Um, What's next? The next thing I am going to talk about, uh, not necessarily in order, but the one thing I wanted to bring up is if you have the option of not asking for any Seller, seller paid, paid closing, closing costs. costs yes if you have the option totally. of go- getting away with not asking for that don't ask for it if it's a multiple offer scenario you have to you have to think about it like what i tell people is think about it like this let's say the house is priced at three hundred thousand, but you're asking for five thousand in seller paid closing costs mm-hmm. well actually the net to the seller you know will, if would you be, made, a full, price if you made a full price offer would be 295 right so Really, those closing costs take away on what the seller will get back at the time of closing. And if you can come up with those closing costs and make that payment on your own, 
Mm-hmm. You know, that will make your offer stronger. And it makes you look like a more prepared buyer. You've got more money in your savings account. You're more prepared to purchase. If something were to come up to, that surprises both the buyers and the sellers on an appraisal or something like that, you just look like a more qualified buyer. Yeah. I think one thing we haven't talked about is purchase price. Right. You know, that is something I think is very important. Let's say that house is priced at 300000 Mm-hmm. Well, if you have the option of making that $300,000 offer... You know, this is not going to be time for wheeling and dealing, well, and you're going to get the best option possible if it's multiple offers. Right. You just have to put your best foot forward and hope that your offer stands ahead and above everyone else's. Mm-hmm. You may or may not. You may or may not end up paying full price. And I think there's a lot of things that come into play there because time on the market is obviously Correct. a factor. Um, but I have seen. I personally made an offer on a home just this past summer, 286 days on the market. And that day, we were the third offer on the table. <laughs> How does that even happen? I don't understand But either. it happened to me. So, um, you know, and a long story short, it didn't end up selling for above asking price after 286 days on the market. But they're not all like that. So really rely on, on your, us. Rely yes. on your realtors to um, kind of guide you through that. But, yeah, this is not the place to save 1000 bucks or 2000 bucks. It's if, you know, you really got to be strong about your offer price because you in a multiple offer situation, you really only get one chance to make your first impression. A lot yes. of times they won't even try to counter offer you if one of the other offers is that much better. You just won't get the opportunity. One thing to bring up too, and, and really this, you know, the one thing we're here to do is to protect our clients to make sure that they're not necessarily overbuying on a home. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing to bring up is potentially an escalation clause. Oh, I mean, good. I've used them. Put I put that on my list too. Mul- uh, <laughs> multiple offer addendum, sometimes you can call it. Yeah. Yes. I think they're important because you have the option of coming in. Let's say you are the first one on the table and and you have an option, let's say you're the first one, you think it could go multiple offer, Mm -hmm. you can discuss, you know, I discuss many times with my buyers, okay, you can say this is where we're starting off at, and if it ends up in a multiple offer situation, you can present an escalation clause saying, we will pay so much up to a certain price point above the offer that we have made. Right. And um, it can, it, I know I've used it a number of times mm-hmm. to help my clients get into a home. Right. Um, there, yeah. There's they pros kinda, and cons to everything. Right. They kind of show but, all your cards, right? You're basically telling the seller, this is the maximum I'm willing to pay. And if those other offers come in and they're way lower, they, that seller can still uh, counter offer you at your max price. I mean, it does happen. Um, so it's, it's, you know, that again, None of this stuff can be taken like, this is exactly what we should do. It's all about it's all, relying on your realtor and, and just also, knowing what some of those options are. And also, this each situation is so very different yes. that the advice we're giving really, really depends on that situation. And our advice can go one way or another. Mm-hmm. So I just want to add one more thing, I think. Um, junk fees. Don't nickel and dime the heck out of them with all the junk fees. If, you're, oh, yeah. if you really want to compete... Those little lender commitment work orders, those reinspection, reinspection fees, fees. Just yes. put them all on yourself. It's a few hundred bucks, and if it makes all the difference, it's worth every penny. Yes. So thanks for tuning in. Those are some tips for you. Reach out and uh, let us know if we can help. Thanks for listening. We would love to be your realtor. Reach out. 
Replay or hear more episodes at realtormomspodcast.com or check us out on iTunes. We do post funny stories and more information on Facebook and Instagram, so feel free to check us out there. This podcast is produced by Tasha Barrett and Jamie R. Swenson of Park Company Realtors, Fargo, North Dakota, 701-237-5031.